Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat some of the interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry in of writing and self-publishing. And today, to mark our 100th episode, we have two very special guests, ourselves. We're going to talk uh, today about, um, you know, where we are 100 episodes in. So we wouldn't even be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. Happy 100th podcast, Craig. How are you doing? Can you believe we've done 100 of these? I, it's crazy. I mean, like when we started, I didn't know where we were going to go with this. And, um, you know, your intros are always like, we wouldn't be here without me, but we wouldn't be here without you either, right? I mean, you're the, <laughs> you're, you're, you take care of all the stuff that I couldn't even handle. And, you know, you're um, a great co-host. You're always able to ask amazing questions and sort of like move these things along and help me figure out what kind of guests we we want on here so listen i think we make a good team on this um and uh you know uh, for today's episode i thought you know there's a bunch of things we could talk about um but it's been two years almost right i mean you know 52 episodes and we do one a week so i guess 52 episodes on 104 would be and we've never years. missed a week we've never <laughs> missed a week which is quite never. astonishing it's true and i mean sometimes it's tough to to keep finding new and fresh guests and so hey listen if you're if you're somebody out there and wants to come on feel free to to send us a message we're always happy to to pull people on but you know it's there's no shortage of people but we want to always try to keep it fresh and keep you know make it relevant and um you know, and and I think you know, in terms of thinking about why we started this in the first place, and whether we've met our goals, um, you know, the whole point of this, because there's other author podcasts, right? But you know, we try to give more of a voice to the the, the smaller self-published authors. Not that we don't have bigger names on and, and industry experts and stuff once in a while, but we also like to sort of have the voice of people that are. Are getting started in in the industry because you know often they're the ones that are doing things differently or they're you know pulling in um they, they have a different way of looking at it they need some more help whatever but they often are, are experts at one thing and then they can help share it and you know because i find that sometimes when you hear about like the the best way of doing things it's not always some people start to think of it as the only way right and i think a lot of times it's really helpful to hear about other ways because i really never believed that there's one path to success in this industry and so the more voices we can hear from big or small the more useful it is to the to the listeners right i think that's very true and you know though we've spoken to quite a few people who have succeeded in wildly different ways and that's yeah. been quite interesting. And also the different approaches you can take and their approaches that work. Yeah, and there's things that I never would have uh, thought of that people do, or I, you know, I, I never gave much thought in terms of how successful they can be. You know, one of the first episodes was about um, how uh, Jennifer Milliken had, Milliken had done so well with TikTok. And that was sort of an eye opener to me because I didn't realize that people were being that successful with it, that book talk sort of idea. And, and over the last couple of years, it's really exploded. And it's made careers. I mean, I wrote a blog post about Frieda McFadden, who, you know, she she has become a New York Times bestseller based off book talk. 
I mean, she writes yeah. bloody good books and she deserves all the success she has, but that was what put her into the spotlight. Yeah, and I and and you know the idea of Kickstarter. You know, I didn't really think about people using Kickstarter, and then we saw Brandon Sanderson come out and make I don't know how many millions he he ended up making uh, off of that. And obviously, he's a bigger name. But then that led us into looking into it and hearing about authors, smaller authors, self-publishers that were using it and being successful with it as well. And the fact that they have a whole sort of self-publishing side of Kickstarter. Um, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, and it's funny, like one of my favorite YouTubers who does YouTube videos about guns and stuff has his own publishing house, which he uses with Kickstarter. And he's the the second most successful author on Kickstarter. And it's like, oh, I didn't even know you did that. And look at that. You're not just doing it, but you're kicking butt at it. Yeah, yeah. I, those are the things that sort of like really opened my eyes. And hopefully they they helped other people sort of see um, the potentials as well and and everything we cover i mean that's it's not even the tip of the iceberg there's so many other things uh that people do that we don't even help and, and that's sort of the point so that was the point of the podcast and and it's always sort of our goal because you never know everything in this industry no matter how successful you are and so you know we wanted to give people um some kind of resource to be able to learn about all these new new things and we have other resources on the website too like we have the blog and and often you're the one writing those and um you know we have the services like the beta reader service to be able to to improve your book before it goes out for review and we have the review service obviously and you know and and for authors that want sort of like more intense one-on-one very specific help you know you and i both do console calls with authors that want that um but you know we wanted to still be able to put out regular content for free that is useful and helpful and i think i hope that we've been doing well with with uh with that in in this podcast yeah and i think one of the the things that i'm quite proud of with both of us we, we both approach this with the same philosophy that we want to help people and when we when we offer services to people we want them to provide value there are so many kind of like snake oil salesmen in the, the self-publishing yeah. space who are like oh i'll make you a millionaire and then you look and you see that actually you've sold more books than they have but we i think we genuinely tried to come in and be like this is what we can help you with and we wanted to provide value and i think you know, that's that's been the philosophy right from the get go. Yeah, that's one of the things I think we've talked about on the even before the podcast. I, I had a one of the blogs um, that I started was sort of a rumor busting. And, and, so, and you know, it was all these things that people thought was true or that heard, you know, the, the fear, the fun, you know, the fear, uncertainty and doubt that spreads throughout the industry when anything changes and makes people think, oh, no, this, the world's coming to the end. And, and then you look into it and you find out, no, that's, it's not true. But people didn't understand what the problem was. So they, they started making up rumors. And then, like you said, there's all these people that sell these services that don't really provide any value. You know, we try to sort of warn authors about that. I mean, you know, everybody it's not necessarily that people are doing it i mean some people are doing it to sort of rip people off but not everyone is it's just you have to sort of think about whether a service is really right for you where you are at the level that you're at in your career right you don't necessarily need somebody to you don't necessarily need to let's say pay somebody to do a whole bunch of things that you could do 
pretty easily for free for yourself. And and certainly you can, and if that's if money is no object and you want to just, you know, throw money around and and have people do very easy things for you, that's fine. But I think some people think that they can't do it themselves. Um, so they have to hire these expensive services to do it for them. And then they find out, you know, they end up contacting us and then realizing, oh, I could have just done all that ourselves, right? And I always, I hate that when I hear those stories about people getting ripped off like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, there are some really good people and some really good services and things out there. But unfortunately, there are there are also the unscrupulous ones who are like, you know, they couldn't make it as a self-published author. So they ended up trying to make it selling advice to self-published authors. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's some of this is not even completely altruistic because you and I are getting these guests on to talk and then we're learning plenty yes them as well and so this gives us sort of like a, a a means to to learning and growing ourselves and you know i i guess it would be if we didn't have a podcast asking people to come on and just have a chat with us and tell us all their secrets is, <laughs> it wouldn't work so well right so this allows us to learn as well and to share that knowledge with everyone and i mean you know if we look back at the hundred episodes and and some of the things that um, you know the that stood out as the most valuable to us and um, or influenced our own writing or 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 our own work. Um, you know, I know that there's a few in my head that have really made a difference. Um, what about you? Like, is is there any that specifically stand out for you? Uh, I think there are three three guests we've had who. Um really made me think about something and i mean you mentioned jen milligan earlier and that's amazing to these inspirational stories but to me there was raymond benson who came on and told us about how he plots a thriller and that was just that was like a masterclass itself an hour-long masterclass and and you know we've had a, a whole podcast episode plotter versus panster and i'm really now like i need to get serious about plotting because i found myself trying to get back into writing and you write yourself into circles because you've got a really good concept for a story but you don't quite know where it's going and like plotting things out so you know what's happening i think is really valuable and that should eliminate um your writer's block for the most part so that was a really important one that i got from raymond benson yeah, and that was good. Um, I have always been, as we've, we've talked many times, but I've always been a plotter. <laughs> so, um, but like for me, it was a similar sort of thing when we talked about uh, OneNote, which is a piece of software I've had on my computer forever, right? Because I've always had, um, you know, the Office suite, but I've never opened it. Like I really, honestly, didn't even know what it was. I thought it was something completely different. And then we had an episode where you know, we talked about it. And I, I think if you watch that episode at the beginning, I was very skeptical. And then by the end, I was a convert. And I have been ever since I, I use OneNote daily now. Uh, I, I can't even live without it. <laughs> you know, it's I, I plan everything from from work stuff to personal stuff, you know, when I have writing ideas, you know, if I'm you know, grocery, everything is in there now. And, you know, it syncs to my phone and it, it, multiple computers and devices and whatever. And so I never really have to be without all of my information about everything and it's all organized and everything. And I mean, I think I'm a little OCD and needing to, to organize all that stuff. But to me, that was like a game changer. 
Yeah, and you've gone on about that quite a lot. So that's, yeah. that's definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talking about tools and stuff like that, one of the things that I found really valuable was when we had Caleb Daniels on, who um, he is writing a book and he's a affiliate. I don't think he's going through Head, Head Stamp, who's the Kickstarter thing, but he's writing a book in the same mold as that, which is interesting. But he works in social media management and kind of gave us a, a quick overview of how to be really strategic and then tactical about social media so you have content going out all the time what kind of content you should have the authenticity behind it that i think is so valuable and you realize that social media is one of those things that is an opportunity if you manage to to figure out a way to like actually be able to do it on a regular basis it's the the consistency that makes social media work for you and i know that's a, a lot of pressure for a lot of authors they don't even know where to begin and i think caleb really like uh set out a path of like if you want to approach social media this is how you should do it and you should plan to do it for the long term and i think that was very valuable yeah i think that's one of those things that um authors know they should do or i hope know that they should do but don't always do um and it, it's true for me too like i was never um a fan of social media i'm still not i don't use it in my personal life at all really uh and i know that it's so valuable, but it's just, for me, it's a huge time sink. And, you know, you just, you get pulled into, you know, a lot of toxicity in some of it. Um, and I don't know, I, but, but there's no denying how important it is. And um, so it's one of those things, you know, do what I say, not what I do. And so I always, I always uh, advise authors to embrace social media. And I can give lots of examples of how, important it is and and honestly every like really successful self-published author that i talk to does social media and they do it well right they they don't you know the one biggest problem that people do is they only post when they have something to sell or something to promote. yeah and that doesn't work because that then people just they're just like oh i'm just a, i'm just a customer to you and and you're just using me to to sell your product right the ones that are doing it well are are sharing more about their lives they're making that connection with their audience and then when they do have something to sell their audience almost wants to help them out and they not only buy the thing but they they promote it to other people they share and they retweet and they do all those things that just doesn't happen when you don't do it properly and, yeah, and I, I, I wrote that blog post about the the four things that sell books, and one of them was if you have a connection with an author, you're more likely to buy their book. It's like an automatic thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean you can use it for other things too because one of the other um, podcasts that that really made me think was, as I mentioned earlier, Kickstarter. We did a couple on that, and you know I never really thought about it in terms of. Um, how to use it to promote your books, but you still need, you don't just start a Kickstarter and then people just find it. Like you, you generally have to promote it and you have to tell people about it. And so having, again, having that social media sort of uh, stuff set up where you can, that's one of the ways you can start sharing it out and having people know about it. Um, and that's the only way to get, sort of that funding happening. It's not just from those people, but you, they start sharing it, retweeting it, and then all of a sudden other people are hearing about it and they're 
you know, and then all of a sudden you're getting funding. Whereas if you just created a Kickstarter and just walked away, like you're not going to get anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. A lot of the, the they create successful presences on social media and then leverage that. Whereas I think a lot of authors go in and like they try and leverage the social media presence they haven't built up yet. And it has to be the, the opposite way around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a third thing that you learned? Yeah. Well, let's do yours because I want to do mine last. So so my one was there was Terence Leahy came on. And what I found so refreshing about that was the fact that he came on. And unlike a lot of the authors that we've spoken to and ourselves, he was approaching writing and publishing and self-publishing for the joy of it. And it's funny enough, I would follow him on Instagram. And the other day he posted a picture of himself in the gym in Edison, New Jersey. And I'm like, man, I'm five minutes down the road. So I went out and had a cocktail with him when we got chatting. And it was it was really refreshing to talk to someone who's a writer. He was going on about the structure of stories and how he was influenced by Greek mythology and all of these fascinating things he was really passionate about. And I'm like, I, I it was just really nice to see someone who is passionate about writing for the sake of writing rather than, you know, having having that pressure of making it into a business. And I found that very inspiring. Yeah, and I, listen, that's another, that's a really important thing that I that I often, it's one of the first questions that I usually ask um, people when I do a consult is, why are you writing? Like, is it for simply for the joy of writing? You know, you just want to tell your stories and 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 write what you want to write, and and that's and which is perfectly fine. Or is it because you want to make money and you want to make you want to make a career out of this, right? Because the kind of advice that I have is very different for those two things. Um, and and it's not that one is is better than the other at all. It's just you know if you're writing for the joy of writing and you don't care about the money, that's that's one thing, right? And that and and there's different things you can do about that. But if if you're doing it to make money and to make a business, sometimes you can't um, write just what you love because that might not have a big enough audience, right? So it's a different kind of sort of uh, advice that I would give those people. And um, I think it's great when people just write like for the sake of writing. And, uh, you know, when I wrote, it was sort of the second one I was writing. I wrote in romance, even though I'd never read romance because I knew that that was the biggest genre and I could sell the most books. And so for me, it was writing as a business. But if I was to do it for the love of it and not care about the money, I would write completely different stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I think that when I'm retired (laughs) or when, when money is not, as important in my life um, because I, you know, as I don't need to work anymore, I would, I want to get back to sort of that idea and just write the books that I want to write and not worry so much about how commercially successful they would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got that as well. I want to write spy books and stuff like that, but it's, you kind of put that on the back burner until that magic day. But Terence kind of inspired me to think maybe that magic day is now. Maybe you should write it now while you you're still inspired to, rather than waiting for a day that might never come. Yeah, and I, listen, I, we've done a whole bunch of episodes where at the end of it, I'm like, I really got to back get back to writing. Um, and and sometimes those are like, um, I find that uh, we've done a couple episodes about short story writing, and those always make me really really want to get back into it because it's such a, it's a less of a time commitment. You know, I mean, not that it's easy to write a short story but it's a lot quicker than writing a whole novel and i feel like maybe i could shoehorn a bit of my time into that task better than saying oh i have time to write a whole novel you know 
I, um, and and people like short stories. I mean, that's one of the things about digital publishing. And people have short sh short amounts of time, and a novel is a commitment. Whereas a short story or a novella, that's something you could read quickly and and find satisfaction in. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it just seems more um, realistic to me if I was to get back to it uh, to be able to do that. So, um, and then so for me, the last sort of thing that really, really changed everything for me um, was the rise of AI, right? And I, I know we've talked about this um, in a number of podcasts, but I think over the last year, uh, it's really changed everything, not just writing, but it's been, it's changing everything. Uh, I think when we first started talking about it, a lot of people weren't even sort of aware of it. It was on the periphery. Maybe they'd heard a couple of things, but they didn't realize now. I mean, if you haven't heard of it, and what it's doing in the world, <laughs> like you've got to be living under a rock, right? Like it's it's uh, it's just changing every industry. You know, people are losing jobs, people are getting jobs, people are you know becoming millionaires by having AI build a business for them. They're, you know, they, there's all sorts of stuff, and uh, I think that it's pretty exciting slash scary you know when you look at it and say okay this could some people think you know this could replace my job depending on what your job is right but in other senses if you look at it you can be like this can enhance my job this can make my job easier this could make me more successful right so it's really how you look at it i think yeah and i would say i use chat gpt probably every single day for various things i mean i will admit it's really good for coming up with headlines and stuff like that. And I used to be a, a commercial copywriter and I used to get paid to come up with headlines and I used to scratch my head for hours. And then what you can do is just ask ChatGPT to come up with 10 or 15 different headlines and it will. And normally there's something in there that you can pull out. So it, I feel bad because it's like it's, it is eliminating a human job, but at the same time, it does it so much faster. And so much quicker and in some ways so much better than a human could. It's the long form stuff I think we humans are still uh, necessary for. But I'm surprised at how much and how quickly AI is, has become better at doing some of the, the basic things that a human used to have to do. I also do it to, to help me with my son, 12 year old's uh, math homework because I don't know any of that stuff. You got to be careful with that. Math's the one thing it's not very good at. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it screws it up a lot, apparently. Uh, I was reading an article about that and why that is. And I mean, it made sense when I read the article, but it's very confusing. So I couldn't even begin to explain it. But um, but, but yeah, that's that's one of the things they were, they're working on fixing it. And I don't know, maybe it's a little better now. But but uh, but math is difficult because of, you know, it's it's a large language model. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to explain it because I'm sure I'll get it wrong. But um but yeah, listen, I mean, it's not just with the writing, too. I mean, the, the graphic design, we talked about yeah. that not long ago, about the ethics of that. And, um, you know, there's still those court cases, and I'm sure they're going to be dragging forever. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of, lately what I've been seeing is some of the bigger companies uh, that, that allow image generation um, are saying that they will, if you use their image generation, and if you get sued for copyright, they'll take on that liability, right? And I, um, I, th I think of that in two sort of different 
ways, sort of like a like a maybe more cynical and less cynical way. But you know, on the one hand, you could say maybe those companies know how they trained their data and that they used ethically sourced materials, so they know that nothing will will stand up in court. Uh, that's the less cynical sort of explanation in my mind for why they're doing that. The the more cynical one would be that um, it's so important to them that when those cases go forward, that they not get lost, you know, that or that they don't lose those cases, that they're willing to put up their money to hire the best lawyers to make sure that they win those cases. Because as soon as those cases start going through, and 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 if it and if it falls to the, you know, uh, the judgment comes that that uh, their copyright was infringed, that sets a precedent that's going to make all these companies have, you know, have to have big payouts or, or change everything, whatever. So they want to make sure that if those lawsuits come, they win them or give them the best chance. So they don't want, you know, little uh, self-published author to get sued and not and just like settle or or have a yeah because that could a set a terrible law that could end right. up becoming becoming law yeah right so they want to make sure that they hire a lawyer that's gonna do the best job to win that and then uh they'll uh you know they'll make sure that um going forward all the precedents are that uh it's okay so i don't know i mean that's that's sort of my thinking about how all, why they're doing that but Regardless, I mean, I use it, like you said, I use ChatGPT all the time, um, you know, and, and I started paying for the, the ChatGPT Plus or whatever it is because it allows for a lot more. Like you can you can pop in an image and have it um, talk about the image. And I mean, I've seen some some examples in, um, of, you know, little funny things like where people pick a, a funny picture and they ask why is this funny and it explains why it's funny which is amazing that it understands the humor um or they put in a picture of like waldo like you know the where's waldo and they're like where's waldo and then it'll say oh yeah he's on the top left next to a guy in a green shirt you know and it picks it out right away but there's actual real uses for it and i found that the other day i found something in my house it was some kind of a electronic thing and i had no idea what it was and I took a picture of it and I put it into ChatGPT and I was like, what is this? And it told me exactly what it was. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, it amazes me, right? Because how could I do that without it? I, how am I gonna describe? There was nothing that I could use to figure out what this thing was, you know? And so that kind of thing is part of the, I think the plus service, I don't know, maybe it's not now, but but also it, it goes to the web now, like the yeah. plus service, you can have it because it's trained on data, you know, to a certain date, but now if, with the plus, you can have it, and it'll go search the internet or read articles on the. If you put, say, "Hey, read this article," and whatever, right? You can also upload your book. You, I could. I took one of my old books and I uploaded my full book, and then I said, "Write a blurb," and you know, it wrote a blurb. You know, and it wasn't perfect, but it was. I didn't have to tell it anything about the book. Like it, it knew the characters, it knew the plot, and you know I could use that as a starting point to to rewrite the blurb. But you can say edit the book, you know. And again, I don't necessarily say use this instead of an editor, but it can do some great proofreading for you and um, get you farther along than you than you were. Um, so you know, there's ways to use it to help yourself, to save yourself money, save yourself time. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's scary from the sense that those artists and those editors and 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 the writers of 
of articles, small articles and stuff might be worried that it's going to take their their job. But I think even for them, like there are ways to use it as a tool to help their job. Yeah, it's um, I, th- I mean, it's it's amazing, the technology. I was talking to my 86 year old father and I showed him the pictures that you generated for me that you know, when I'm talking about, you know, creating a cover of my book. And he was like, wait, what do you mean? He typed in some words and it generated this. That looks like a photograph. That looks like a real person. And it, and, yeah. it, and it's, this is the worst the technology will ever be. So it's only ever going to get better from this point on. Like this time next year, people might even have like five fingers in the, the pictures and things. <laughs> they, you know, they do. I mean, I, I've, I've been playing with that since, you know, since we've been talking about it for, for a few months and not even that long, really. I got a computer that, that can, that can generate these images. I mean, you need a pretty beefy processor. And even the stuff that I can do now versus what I was able to do, you know, when I first started talking to you about it is so much better because, you know, not not just because the technology has progressed, but I, I the learning curve, because there is a, a big learning curve, you know, and, and so there are ways to make sure the hands look <laughs> look normal and stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I still wouldn't say you could create a full cover with it because it still doesn't do um, text very well or whatever, but it can certainly create a, a piece of cover art for you that you wouldn't have to do a lot of editing on. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different ways to use it. And in fact, uh, you know, if we're looking at some of the biggest game changers, you had mentioned to me uh, right before we, we started this episode, um about a new program that amazon is uh beta testing i guess for using ai to create audiobook uh voices right so what's that about so this is this is a remarkable thing i got invited to a beta that amazon is running where they will use uh, ai generated voices or artificial voices to narrate your books and they're just starting to roll it out at the moment the rule is that you can't use artificial voices to voice your book if they're going to appear on on audible and the whole process for creating your own audiobooks and getting them uploaded that is quite a palaver and we've had guests on before talking about you know creating audiobooks and and often it's like you want to work with a production company that knows all these things because it's quite difficult apart from that and it takes quite a long time whereas this beta what you do is you select your book and you select your voice and you can only have one voice for books so for romance books when we have alternating povs it doesn't quite work but then you can go through and listen to it read out each page you can correct you know pronunciations and pauses and emphasis and stuff like that and then once you're finished you click approve and then within 72 hours your uh book will be up and available for sale on on audible which is incredible and the voices sound pretty damn good wow and so wait so you said that they have a rule on audible that you can't use ai unless yeah you couldn't before this but now it's like if you do it through amazon's program Uh, you can use (laughs) the ai voices if you don't you have to use a real person that's an interesting rule i'm not sure how they can really justify that i mean is this a free service at the moment yeah oh well okay maybe that's how they justify it it's i mean you can't really say that they're making you buy their service and not others if they're giving it for free so um and then do the voices sound realistic or do they sound robotic I would say they'd sound realistic. There's that weird uncanny valley thing where, you know, you can say, oh, 
I think that's an AI voice. And there are some AI voices that you see all the time. You hear all the time on videos and stuff like that. So you know they're AI. These are pretty good, though. These are pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy I had one of my books that I was listening to it and I was doing something else. And I was kind of enjoying listening to my own book could be read out. I was kind of like, oh, I'm quite a good writer, actually. And I, I mean, I think that you know, they give you, I think you were saying they give you all the tools to do it, right? So it's it's like, you know, um, we've talked about, we've had a few episodes where we've talked about audiobooks and like there's a lot of steps involved, you know, you not just sort of building out like a soundproof room and having a great microphone, but then you've got to do a lot of the editing and processing and building that book. Whereas I think this service does all that for you, not just create the voice. So you, and then the whole editing process where you say you got to listen and correct, make corrections. That's all software within the suite that you, so you don't have to have anything else yourself or even as beefy computer, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, I think the thing with AI is it's, it's not as good as a human yet, but it's good enough which I think is the scary part. I think for a lot of voice artists and people who make audiobooks, it's like it is going to be good enough for a lot of people to start having their their audiobooks made through this service rather than using real people. And I mean, when you talk about it, if you get a properly produced audiobook, it's seven or eight grand. And then imagine being able to do one that's not as good, let's be honest, but it's good enough and it's free. Yeah, good enough for, for some people. And certainly if it... For some authors, if it's the choice between no audiobook at all because you can't afford it, or this, you know, why not choose this, I guess? Whereas people that really want a really good, well produced, great sounding audiobook and can are willing to put up the money to do that, this is it's still a better option to hire people. Um, and maybe always will be. But, uh, but you know, there's it's like it's democratizing a lot of this stuff. And that's, I think, what I like about the AI is there's a lot of things that were not um, available to people before because of cost or whatever. And now it's becoming available. And while there's lots of people that are sort of arguing against that, and I get it, and, and there's reasons for that, and they're losing the job. But but we can't, it's hard as a self-publisher to to make that argument, in my opinion, when self-publishing itself was a democratization of the publishing process and we took that away from the big publishers they used to control that all and then we said well now self-publishing lets us do it all ourselves right and we all love that and now ai is coming along and taking you know making things easier for certain people and then we're saying but we don't like that right it's it to me it's uh, <laughs> it's a very we similar like kind of it thing. if we're in that so in that inner circle like the publishers the old publishers hated it and they had this oh well self-published stuff is crap and then we've proven them wrong i mean you know i i it's so funny when i talk to people who've been traditionally published and i'm like oh i've sold four times as many books as you have so it's it's interesting that you're that was a really perfect metaphor, uh, example that you showed like this is a new tool rather than like something that's coming to steal anything away and the people who use the tool are going to be the ones that benefit from it yeah, and I, and I really, really want that to be sort of the takeaway is that I, I still think that this should be used as a tool to help you do your stuff, um, you know, faster. But it's not a replacement for a lot of that stuff. Um, and maybe it will be one day, but but really, like, 
you can there are, we all adapt right and we're gonna adapt and we're gonna you know instead of it's not going away so instead of arguing and fighting and spending all of your energy saying oh it's not fair just figure out a way to instead of fighting against it embrace it and let it help you uh improve what you're doing make your life easier and and maybe make you even more money than you were making before um and you know i think that that's that's one of those things one of the biggest changes that's come since we started this podcast uh and you know i'm sure going forward it's going to continue to be and we'll probably talk a lot more about it in uh, in future episodes and you know i think it's really going to change the industry almost as much as self publishing did to um to traditional publishing absolutely absolutely i mean this is it's an exciting time to be in this business yeah yeah or a nerve-wracking time um there was another uh topic we were going to discuss beyond ai because i know we're running short a little short on time but i thought it was a really interesting one as a big development what was that That was direct sales yeah i mean i i don't know i don't know that it's uh even a new thing necessarily but i think it's becoming more popular now and becoming maybe easier now right we did an episode about that not long ago um and I'm still not 100% convinced that it's like um, the the best way for everybody, but it certainly sounds like a really good option for a lot of people. Yeah, so we had Steve Piper on, who um, he's, he's like the Mark Dawson of direct uh, direct sales, I guess. And it is right. interesting. I mean, the problem is um, uh, Facebook is not necessarily, well, Facebook, has limitations to it if you're on amazon there are limitations to how quickly you get paid you have limitations to to the royalties you could make there's limitations to the amount of data you can get from amazon to use in your your advertising and so there is a thought hey e-commerce has existed for for decades now people are killing it on e-commerce with things like pixels that can bounce information back and target your advertising why don't you sell your books which are products that same way and while there are definite downsides, because, you know, your books don't rank, they're not going to be up in the charts. You're not actually like selling copies in a way that the bookstores will acknowledge. At the same time, there is the opportunity to make a lot more money than you would and get access to that money quicker. And and it is a way that pe- more and more people are buying books. So I think I think we are going to perhaps see that grow as a business model. I think you have to be a specific type of author. I think like I, I'm very tempted by that because i know that my books sell i'm able to consistently advertise my books and make a profit so if i can do that on facebook and amazon make a profit i'm pretty sure that if i i had all the tools i could do that with direct sales and maybe make more of a profit uh, maybe get access to that money faster so it's it's a tempting thing but you have to have a series of books and they have to be books that you are 100 confident are commercially viable yeah and i think the other thing to remember is how it's it's not easy right yeah even steve was saying like it's it's a lot of work so you have to be either you know willing to put in the time effort to learn how to do it and set it all up and keep it running or have the money to hire somebody to do it for you um and so that's another reason why it's not necessarily for everyone but uh, but yeah, like the people that use it and do it well, I think are are killing it. Um, and and just like anything else, because it's becoming more popular now, there will probably be 
services or or different things, maybe even AI that will come along to make the process easier, right? It's still a whole bunch of steps and a whole lot of work, but I bet you at some point someone's going to come along and create more of a one-step, you know, solution that they can sell or that people can do themselves that will allow them to um, to to do direct sales much easier than it is right now. Absolutely, and I mean, yeah, that's a that's a game changer because it takes you are so constrained by having to go through Amazon, so constrained having uh, now this gives you another option. And we spoke about earlier about how one of the things we learned is there are multiple different ways to be successful, and you can be successful with direct sales, you can be successful with social media and and TikTok, you can be successful with traditional advertising. It's like yeah, the opportunities are out there and, and they're growing and the opportunities multiply as you seize them, to quote Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, listen, I mean, it's it's been uh, it's been a great hundred episodes and I'm hoping that, um, you know, that as much as we've taken away and we've learned that everyone else out there is is also learning and and, um, and growing from listening to these and. If anybody has suggestions for guests you want to hear or, or you want to come on yourself or, or anything like that, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Leave a comment if you want. Send us an email on the web through the website. Or, um, and, uh, and yeah, or if you need help, you know, our services page, we have, the, you know, the services we mentioned before. Or we can do consults with you, you know, blurb, service. We have uh, all sorts of things. So, you know, reach out to us if you'd like. But keep listening at the very least and uh hopefully we can do another 100 absolutely and in fact don't just listen i like if you have if you have ever thought about it leave us a comment below on this one and let us know what if you if you've been listening and give us some encouragement because we we want to know we're providing value so scroll on down to the the comment section down below and just uh, give us a, a wave or something like that and we would really appreciate it especially if you haven't done it before and while you're down there you could always hit the subscribe button there's that like button you could give a tap and there's the bell icon which if you click on that you'll get updated every time we have a new episode of fully booked but yeah don't be a stranger so uh right any final words craig before we wrap things up just you know thank everyone for for listening over the the last couple of years and um hey uh we couldn't do this without you guys so uh keep listening and and uh and reach out to us i always even just to say hi we always like to hear from you Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for supporting us through 100 episodes. Here is to 100 more. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Fully Booked. So until then, cheerio.